interesting history. In 1847, there was a French priest who asked a wine merchant who wasn't known for being a Christ follower nor a great lifestyle. He was kind of a party animal. But, but he asked this guy because he was a poet. Uh, his name uh, was Placide, uh, let's see, Placide Capu. And, and he asked him to write a poem uh, about Luke 2. So Placide wrote this poem, and he gave it to the French priest, and the French priest loved it so much that he said, well, now we've got to get music for it. So uh, Placide found a friend uh, who was Jewish, uh, Adolf Adams, uh, to write the music for it. So God has a sense of humor, right? <laughs> he has a guy who's a party animal, uh, plus a Jew who doesn't even believe in Jesus, write this beautiful carol uh, that's ministered to us uh, throughout the years. In fact, it became very, very popular uh, in the Catholic Church. But several years later, when they found out who wrote it and wrote the music, they wanted to ban it. But it was so popular at that point, they couldn't stop it. Then, here's another interesting tidbit. In 1906, on Christmas Eve, uh, there was the first AM radio program. The first radio AM broadcast by a gay named Reginald uh, Fetzner. And in this broadcast, he played something from Handel, an obscure song. And then he read the Christmas story. And then he played uh, O Holy Night with his violin, and he sang the last verse. That was the first AM radio program. So O Holy Night was the second song played on AM radio. Isn't that interesting? Well, let's take a look at the lyrics. O Holy Night, uh, the stars are brightly shining in the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope in the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O oh, hear the angels' voices, O oh, night divine, the night when Christ was born. We look, O oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. Think about a, a special night in your life. Maybe it was when one of your children were born, or possibly a child graduated from uh, some school, or maybe it was your wedding night. Uh, what night stands out? Well, holy means set apart, totally unique, and, and truly, this was the most important night, I believe, in history when we talk about evenings. Okay, When Jesus Christ was born, it was holy, it was set apart, it was unique, it was the most important night, I believe, that we see in the Scriptures and that have been uh, experienced because, we see it says, it is the night of our dear Savior's birth. That's, that's what makes it so unique, the night that God came into the world. God came into the world. John 1.14 And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory is from for, uh, of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And the Word became flesh. God became a baby. You think of maybe a, a loved one that's passed and is now in heaven. They were a Christ follower. And you think about what they're experiencing right now. 
perfect joy, perfect love, being with Jesus Christ 24-7, being able to, to look upon Him, uh, a perfect existence. Do you think if they were offered the opportunity to come back to this earth, they would? No. No, no, no. They didn't love you that much. <laughs> okay? All right. I mean, it's heaven for Pete's sake, right? It's heaven. Now, Jesus Christ, not just being uh, a sinner saved by grace, but, but being God Himself, being on the throne, being worshipped 24-7, and all the privileges and all the powers that He had, He was willing to give that all up in order to come to this earth to be born as a baby and to die for us. It's amazing, isn't it? That's what we celebrate during this season. The fact that He did that for us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt in the original language speaks of tabernacle. He tabernacled among us. Did you know the tabernacle before the temple, the Holy of Holies, where God resided? And so, when we talk about Jesus tabernacling, we talk about the fact that Jesus Christ was the tabernacle walking through Israel. Now, they had the temple with the Holy of Holies, but God was outside of the Holy of Holies. He was walking around. He was ministering to people. It was God in the flesh. Such an amazing thing. And we have seen His glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, John the Apostle is writing this, and he's saying, we saw the glory of God in Him. We saw His power illustrated through miracles. We saw His unbelievable knowledge of things that nobody else had knowledge of. John saw Him at the transfiguration when, when, when Jesus Christ kind of tore back His flesh and gave them a glimpse of the glory of God. So He's saying, we have seen the glory of God. Friends, this verse is so important. It's almost kind of like the centerpiece of Scripture. You know, all of Scripture is a, is a love story. It's all about how God loves us through Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the main character. And the whole Old Testament is foreshadowing Jesus Christ coming to this earth. And the New Testament is Jesus Christ on this earth. And the rest of the New Testament is about our life now that we're, we're Christ followers. And this verse is kind of like right in the middle. It's saying Jesus Christ came to this earth in order that we might have a relationship with the Father. In order that we might have a path to Him in order that we might be His children. How beautiful it is. How profound it is. It's a gospel. Now, this past week, of course, you've heard that Nelson Mandela, uh, the wonderful freedom leader from South Africa, died. Uh, just a tremendous story. And you'll hear a lot more about him this next week, obviously, and so should you. What a wonderful leader. What a wonderful man. And he was a savior in a sense of his people from apartheid. You look at this jail cell uh, in, uh, on Robbins Island where he spent 18 of the 27 years he was in prison, again, fighting for the freedom of his people. You see a straw bed there on the right it wasn't much of a bed at all, basically sleeping on concrete. Uh, the toilet was over there on the left. and I mean, hard labor. I mean, you read about that. I'd encourage you to go online and read about his life. 
just what he sacrificed in order to bring freedom to his people. Now, Nelson Mandela was a great man, and God used him. But Jesus Christ, I mean, Nelson doesn't obviously compare in any way. Because Jesus Christ was our Savior, and he's the world's Savior, and the sacrifices he went through in order for us to be able to call God Father are just unbelievable. In fact, I would encourage you, every time you hear about Nelson Mandela this week, thank God for him, but then thank God for Jesus. Your true Savior, right? No doubt. Well, let's take a look at Luke chapter 2. A Holy Night was based on it. And verse 1 through 7 is about Jesus Christ being born. And now we move on to verse 8. And in the same region, the same area where Christ was born, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. So, so far, we've got Zechariah and uh, Anna, I believe, and Mary and Joseph. And, and they know, or excuse me, Elizabeth, uh, they know about the fact that the Messiah is going to come into the world, but it's still not public yet, right? So, God decides to go public with the news that the Messiah has come into the world with a bunch of shepherds. Now, what's ironic about that? Well, shepherds, uh, they were kind of on the low end of the totem pole. They didn't make a lot of money. Did you see how the fast food workers were uh, demonstrating this past week? And I, I support them in that. I hardly live on anything. Uh, but the shepherds would have been doing that back in that day. They hardly earned anything. Taking care of the sheep, it was very, very difficult work. Uh, you're outdoors all the time, caring for these sheep in all type of weather conditions, long hours. And they were also not the most reputable group. They were known as liars and, and thieves. Uh, people really didn't trust them. They couldn't even testify in a court of law because... Of their reputation. Now that's that's the people you want to give the good news to, right? <laughs> Nobody trusts them, <laughs> right? That's <laughs> amazing. Uh, but why did God give the shepherds the news? Well, I believe. First of all, I believe that these were godly shepherds. I believe that these were shepherds. Their hearts were after God. They lived for God, and they were waiting for the Messiah. They were fully aware that the Messiah was coming, and they were waiting for the Messiah. To come. And God gave them the news because they knew they needed the Messiah. Now, if God would have told the religious leaders, they wouldn't have believed him, whatever. But, you see, God always delivers the news to people who know they need it. Because people who don't think they need it aren't going to listen to it. You think about who Jesus hung out with, right? He is criticized heavily for that by the religious leaders. Uh, the prostitutes and the tax collectors were... Basically, extortion uh, money uh, with the taxes and, and just all the people that you wouldn't think that a religious leader would hang around with. All the sinners. That's who Jesus Christ hung around with because Jesus loves sinners and he wants to bring them to himself. And that's why he went to the shepherds. Because they knew they were sinners. They knew they were in need. They knew they needed a Messiah. And therefore, he went to them. Maybe you're here today and, and you're saying, I don't belong here. I, all these people, they're just all so holy. They, they all have their act together. And maybe you 
first time you've been in church in a while, and it's kind of like saying, I, I don't know, this is not for me. I, well, first of all, I'll tell you what, we are all messed up, including myself. <laughs> Much more than you can imagine, right? We are all sinners, we're all broken, you're in the right place, and I tell you what, if you really do believe that, that you are more messed up than anybody here, okay, if that's really what you believe, if Jesus Christ walked in that door, He would sit down right next to you. Because He'd be the one that uh, He'd be most interested at that moment in, in telling you how much He loves you and how He wants to heal you and restore you. That's who Jesus Christ is. You're in the right place, okay? And you're a bunch of, broke, we're a bunch of broken people here, okay? So you'll fit right in. All right. So, all that to say is he came to the shepherds, O holy nighting with lyrics, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. That pining is an old uh, word. It speaks of desire. So the world continues to go after sin and error. And that's just a natural desire. That's the sinful nature. They can't do anything different. Uh, but then, when Jesus Christ came to the world, the soul felt its worth. Jesus Christ brought us our worth. He brought us our identity, our significance. Luke 2, nine. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were filled with great fear. So you got the shepherds out there. I don't know what they're doing. Maybe around the campfire. Uh, they're sharing stories. They're playing their flutes. And, and they, they were fascinated with angels. In fact, many times as shepherds went out, uh, they would say, may you see the fluttering of angels' wings. They studied about angels in the Bible, and, and they were looking for angels. Now, there hadn't been any angels showing up to anybody for like 500 years. So the chances of them seeing an angel uh, wasn't going to probably happen. But all of a sudden, what happens? An angel shows up! An angel! Who was the angel? Well, we probably think that it was Gabriel. We, we're not for sure, but Gabriel talked to uh, Elizabeth, or excuse me, uh, Zechariah, as well as to... Uh, Mary and Joseph, uh, Gabriel had appeared. So the archangel, Gabriel most likely, I think, it was Gabriel. He was the one who was front and center bringing this great news into the world. And so Gabriel shows up, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him. But more importantly, and we kind of don't consider this fully, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now what does that mean, the glory of the Lord shone around them? Well, friends, that's God's presence. God was there. The glory of the Lord, probably the best illustration, is when Moses was on Mount Sinai receiving the law, and God wanted to reveal Himself to Moses. So what He did, He said, Moses, you can't look directly at me. He'd be incinerated because God is so glorious. So He said, I want you to get into the, the cleft of the mountain and hide there, and I'm going to pass by, and you're just going to see a little bit of my backside, kind of the afterglow, and, and that's what God did. And, of course, Moses, he came down like he was a nuclearized. <laughs> He was glowing because he had been in God's presence. The glory of the Lord had appeared to him. Then we think about the tabernacle again and how the Shekinah glory of God. That's really, God doesn't have a body like Jesus Christ has, uh, being God as well. But, but he, he's a manifestation of light. And not just a really bright light, but a different quality of light. Uh, we're not sure. We haven't seen it. But the point is, the Shekinah glory came into the tabernacle when it was built, and it resided there in the Holy of Holies. That was God's presence there. And then it came into the temple, but then it left the temple. Remember that in Ezekiel? It left the temple. God left the building. 
because of Israel's rebellion. A very, very sad day in Israel's history. But this is the first time that we see it again. That the glory of the Lord shone round about them. God was there. It wasn't just like daylight. It wasn't like a really, really bright, sunny day. It was like glory. Glory all around them. Now, as we step through this story, I really want you to put yourself in the place of the shepherds. I want you to imagine that you're a shepherd and you are sitting there, maybe laying there, and you see this angel and there's this glory around you. The presence of God is there. Everything has changed. You've never been in this type of situation before. You've never felt like you've felt before something very special is going down, and you are terrified. That was always what happened when an angel showed up, right? Because that's it's represented from God, and God's there as well. Yeah, you're going to be afraid. And what the angel said, verse 10, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news, that means the gospel, right? The gospel, good news of great joy. Great joy. What is, what's good news? Well, I think it would be good news if the Chicago Cubs won the World Series. Amen? Who, who, can, who wants to speak with me on that one? All right. All right. Wouldn't that be good news? Raise your hand if you think that's good news. Raise your hand high. Okay, now listen. If you're a Sox fan, you've had your limelight, all right? It wasn't that long ago. We're talking 1908. We're talking 105 years ago. Come on now. Who is gonna, who is gonna say that it's gonna be good? Raise your hand again. I want more hands this time, you Sox fans. Come on now. Now wait a second. I don't see everybody's hands up here. And the Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice. So if the Cubs win the World Series and I am rejoicing and you do not rejoice with me, that is sin. You are in sin. And even if you sit here today and say, I will not rejoice with you, you're sinning right now. So I'm going to ask you one more time, who's going to rejoice with me? Uh, still got some sinners out there. You need to pray about that, I'll tell you that. Well, that would be a great thing, wouldn't it? But friends, again, you're a shepherd, and you're in the presence of these angels, and uh, this is unbelievable news. This is life-changing news. This, this is news that rocks the world. This is news that bring, brings great joy. And as I've gone throughout my spiritual life, and I think about how much joy I've experienced because of my relationship with God and the many years that I have walked with Him. Yes, it's true. We, we can testify that today, those of us who know Jesus. It is good news, and it has brought great joy. That's what these, these shepherds are being informed of. Then, Luke 2.11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Friends, right here you see the major confession that supports all of Christianity. This is it right here. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, Bethlehem, a Savior. Jesus Christ is the one who saves us from the penalty of sin. Who is Christ? What does Christ mean? 
It means anointed one. It means what? Messiah. He is the Savior. He is the anointed one. He is the chosen one. He's a Christos and the Lord with capital L. That means that Jesus Christ is God. Right there. That's what's being said right there. The Messiah has come. The Savior, the anointed one. God has come to earth. This is a confession. This is what our our Christian faith is based upon, that God came to earth, that Jesus, the Messiah, came to earth and gave His life and was resurrected. This is what it's all about. And I tell you what, I believe that those shepherds knew exactly what He was talking about. And that's why God came to these shepherds, because they believed it, they wanted it, they were waiting for it. And when they said it, it, it started to sink in what was going down. Yes, the Messiah has come. These these Jewish uh, shepherds had waited years and years all their lives, of course. They were taught as children about the Messiah. And the Jewish people had waited centuries for the Messiah. And now the Messiah had come. This was the night that the Messiah came. And you're one of the shepherds there. And the news has come down. Now is the time. Now is the time that Jesus has come into the world, the Savior, the Anointed One, God Himself. And I'll tell you what, this is the core of what we believe because uh, other major religions will call Jesus a teacher. They'll call Him a prophet. They'll call Him a good man. Cults will do the same thing. But they will not call Him God. They will not call Him Lord. And until a person calls Jesus Christ Lord and acknowledges what He did on the cross for them and accepts it, they are not going to experience salvation. And friends, that is what we need to proclaim. That Jesus Christ is God. Amen? Amen. Yes. Yes. Right here. Jesus Christ is the Anointed One. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. He's the Savior. He's the answer. Yeah. You're the shepherds. You're taking all this in, right? Yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. And verse 12, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. A holy night, a long lay the world in sin and error pining till He appeared and the soul felt its worth. See, that's the beauty of becoming a Christ follower and fully living it out on a daily basis. Is your soul feels its worth. You find significance in Jesus alone. That's what you live for. That's what you long for. All that emptiness uh, goes away as you experience Him on a daily basis. And friends, when we say Jesus Christ is the Savior, let me be very clear here. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For the wages of sin is death. What did Jesus Christ come to save us? We call Him a Savior. What is He saving us from? There are some teachers that have misconstrued that have tried to change the message in order to make it more appealing uh, to people. Uh, and they say, well, Jesus Christ is coming to save you uh, from pain in your life, from painful relationships, uh, from painful experiences. That Jesus Christ is trying, has come to, to save you from uh, financial problems, from losing your job, from uh, financial challenges uh, that come your way. That Jesus Christ has come to save you uh, from health problems, uh, from becoming ill. Friends, that's not why Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ did not 
come to give you a better circumstantial life. Jesus Christ came to pay the penalty for your sin. A lot of churches don't like to talk about this, but friends, it's a reality. If you do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to hell. And you're going to hell for eternity. And that's a hard, hard truth. It's very difficult to reconcile in our minds. But it's what the Bible teaches. And that's why Jesus came. In order that we would not spend eternity in hell suffering for our sins. Jesus Christ came to be born as a baby, to live on this earth in order to die, in order to give His life, in order to take on the sins of this world and to pay the penalty for us, that wage that we deserve. We deserve to pay that wage, but for the wages of sin is eternal death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the beautiful thing about it, is that once you realize that you can't do anything to earn a relationship with God. Nothing. You can't give God anything that's going to say, okay, that's good, yeah, you can come in. No, 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 no. It's all about you humbling yourself before God, saying, I'm a sinner. There's no way, nothing I can do. No way I can earn my way to you. I humble myself. I accept this free gift of salvation. I want to be a child of yours. That's when a person makes that decision. Romans 10, 9. Uh, because if you confess with your mouth, you've got to give testimony uh, that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart. It's a faith issue. You've got to express your faith in God that God raised Him from the dead. That's very important, of course, the resurrection, right? You will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the penalty of sin. That's what you're saved from. If that's the only thing you're saved from, I tell you what, some people think their life's going to get better if they become a Christ follower. Sometimes it goes downhill. They say, what's the deal with that? Well, God didn't say life would be easy. He's saving you from sin and He's walking with you. That's a beautiful thing. Circumstantially, things might go bad, but Jesus is with you. Alright, so here's my question. Have you made that decision? Since we're talking about it, I might as well get to the right heart of things. I mean, have you, are you trusting in Jesus alone? And so many people I talk to when I, when I get into conversation, they're always somehow trusting in their good works. They're thinking, oh, I think I'm going to heaven because I've done this or whatever. And I say, stop, no, 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 that's not it. When I say, are you going to heaven when you die? And I ask you why you think that is, you should say, Jesus. That's all you have to say, one word, Jesus. What Jesus did for me, Jesus. And if you go beyond Jesus, you've gone too far. And you don't understand what the Gospel's all about. Now, if you've been trusting in your good works, if you've been trusting in your performance, you've been trusting in your baptism, you've been trusting in whatever, you've got to make the decision to trust only in Jesus. And we have the sinner's prayer here, which is kind of summarizes some of the biblical concepts uh, that I've talked about. And uh, if you've never made this decision, don't keep making the decision. You only need to make it once, and then you're a child of God. You want to get married to the person once, right? You don't keep getting married day after day. Uh, but it says, Lord Jesus, I want to know you personally. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I ask forgiveness for my sins and open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. I no longer trust in my good works to gain a relationship with you. I know now it is a free gift. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of my life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. So let's bow our heads. And again...
if the Holy Spirit speaking to you and saying to you, you have been trusting in yourself for your salvation. You need to come to God now and trust only in Him. So you can say this silently, Lord Jesus, I want to know you personally. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I ask forgiveness for my sins and open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. I no longer trust in my good works to gain a relationship with you. I know now it is a free gift. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of my life and make me the kind of person you want me to be. Lord, I want to thank you uh, for any who made that decision uh, today. I pray that they would just, uh, uh, just rejoice today that they have been transformed by you because they put their faith in you alone. In Christ's name, amen. And I'd like you to take out your programs at this time and pull out the communication slip. And if you made a decision, I want you to write down salvation decision. Be sure to put down your information, your name, and contact information because we want to encourage you. And you see, once you become a Christ follower, you want to, you want to confess his name. You don't want to keep it a secret, right? You want to confess his name. And, and uh, so I really, we want to encourage you and support you in that decision. Now, it goes on in verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So not only do you have Gabriel, suppose to Gabriel, whoever, uh, and you have the presence of God. I mean, what more do you need? Then you have all the angels show up. And we don't know how many angels there are. Tens of tons of thousands, it says in Revelation. Maybe they all showed up. Maybe they all took a road trip down to earth for this one. This is unbelievable. I mean, they've been watching this thing since they were created. They saw Satan fall. They saw everything. They saw God create man. They saw man sin. They saw it all. And now, the boss was going down to earth. Kind of like undercover boss, right? He was going down to earth. It was just like unbelievable. First uh, Peter one twelve. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. You see, angels can't experience or understand salvation like we can because they're not sinners, but we're sinners. So we're the only ones who can fully appreciate what it means to receive the grace of God, the forgiveness. Of God through Jesus Christ, isn't that a marvelous thing? Yeah, uh, that's that's neat. But, but but you see what I'm saying? The angels are watching all this. They're still watching it all, and they're still stunned by it. Jesus Christ! <laughs> it's like what? Yeah, that, that's what the gospel is. What? That doesn't make any sense. Well, yeah, it's because of God's love. God's love doesn't make any sense uh, to us. Uh, and back to O holy night, fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angels' voices. O night divine, the night. Uh, when Christ was born. Of course, it should move us to worship, which is exactly what the shepherds did. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So, again, they fully understood that the Messiah was in town. Uh, Luke 2.16, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Uh, Such a beautiful moment. Then verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So that's what I want you to think about, all right? They, they heard it. They believed it. They went. They saw it. It's the real deal. And what they do? They went out 
and they spread the news. And people were amazed by it. Now, let's imagine you're one of those shepherds. I'm one of those shepherds, okay? Now, if you or I were a shepherd and we went through that particular evening, how long do you think you'd be talking about that experience? What do you think would be your favorite story at a party? What do you think would be the one thing you'd communicate to everybody you meet if you were one of those shepherds? Now, what's the difference between you being one of those shepherds and you having experienced the grace of Jesus Christ at some point in your life when you receive that free gift of salvation? What is the difference between what the shepherds experienced and what you've experienced as a Christ follower? And why shouldn't we be as excited about what happened to us and how our lives were transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ, Christ the Lord, the Messiah, the Savior? Why shouldn't it be our favorite story? Why shouldn't it be the one thing that we tell everybody that we meet? Why shouldn't it be our life mission to tell them how Jesus has changed our lives? Does that make sense? Think about it. Think about it. The shepherds, yeah, that was cool and everything, but hey, we were, we were benefic- beneficiaries just as they were. So we should be just as jazzed about it. We should be just as vocal about it. We should be telling people. I just have a memory verse. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. We've got to let our light shine. Here are some different ways. For one thing, I want to encourage you to invite someone out. That's one way you can be like the shepherds. You can spread the good news. And again, Christmas Eve, it's an easy invite. Hey, I want to invite you out to Christmas Eve. And they can say, I went to my own church, you know, going to my aunt's, whatever. Okay, all right. If they don't go to church, home, you can come out one of the other days if you want. I mean, it's that easy. Are you willing to do that? I mean, are you a shepherd? Are you a shepherd? Are you willing to spread the news? Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. I want you to find a stranger and invite him to Christmas Eve, okay? Just mingle. Find a stranger. Invite him to Christmas Eve. Very good. See, that was easy, right? That was easy. You see, when you invite someone to Christmas services, you do a couple things. You're a witness for Jesus Christ. When you identify here, you're witnessing. You identify with Christ in His church. I'm part of a church. I'm part of Christ's church. You show spiritual concern for the person, and you encourage that person spiritually. All right? You've got to step outside of your comfort zone, and you have to make the invite. We need to grow in this area. We're weak as a church in this area, evangelistically. We've lost our evangelistic zeal. We've got to be inviters. Okay, that's one of the many different aspects of evangelism, but we've got to be inviters, and this is the season, all right? Christmas Eve especially. Uh, Other ways to shine your light at Christmas. Uh, I love Christmas because when people are talking about, what do you like about Christmas? That comes up, hey, (laughs) hey, hey, Christmas is awesome. You know, just say it. You know, think it out what you're going to say ahead of time so you're ready when the opportunity comes up. Talk about church Christmas activities uh, that you're enjoying and why. Through your Christmas, oh, oh, may I tell you, 
When you send a Christmas card or letter out, I mean, if you send one of these pictures out, get a sticker on the back that says, we're so thankful for Jesus Christ. I mean, just slap it on the back, you know, label, every label. You know, every Christmas, if you haven't, if you've already done your letters, fine. But next year, do not let a Christmas card go home without the gospel on it. What a beautiful opportunity, right? I mean, what are they, send you hate mail? No, do it. Do it. All right, Luke 2.19. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And that's what we need to do as we go through this Christmas season. We need to ponder what an unbelievable thing it was for Jesus to come to this earth to give His life for us and what it means for us now. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I talked to you about our true identity uh, that's found in Jesus Christ alone. And I gave you a yellow sheet of paper that I asked you to take home. And I ask you to speak these biblical affirmations about who you are in Jesus Christ and what it means to be a Christ uh, follower. Anybody been doing that out there? Doing that? Okay. Well, let's stand up together. And we are going to uh, state these affirmations again. And, and this is the gospel, friends. This is what we're so jazzed about, that, that God has allowed us to be one of His children. So let's look here. Let's go ahead. I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. I have been justified. I am united with the Lord, and I am one spirit with Him. I have been bought with a price. I belong to God. I am a member of Christ's body. I am a saint. I have been adopted as God's child. I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I am complete in Christ. I am free forever from condemnation. I am assured that all things work together for good. I am free from any condemning charges against me. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. I am hidden with Christ in God. I am confident that the good work that God has begun in me will be perfected. I am a citizen of heaven. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I can find grace and mercy in time of need. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. I am the salt and light of the earth. I am a branch of the true vine, a channel of his life. I have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. I am a personal witness of Christ. I am God's temple. I am a minister of reconciliation for God. I am God's co-worker. I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. I am God's workmanship. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's all because of Jesus, right? Amen. Amen. That's what we celebrate this Christmas season. The gospel, the good news coming to mankind. Isn't it fantastic? The next slide we see here. Uh, again, I, I encourage you every day in December, take your family through it. Read it aloud. Uh, do it as a daily meditation. Take one thing a day and then put it on Facebook. Uh, a lot of you have done that, and I appreciate that. But just say, I'm thankful for Christmas or however you want to word it. But always put the Scripture in there. There's power in the Word. People say a lot of things on Facebook, don't they? <laughs> but friends, when you put Scripture up there, it's going to travel. Anytime you put a verse up there, it's going to touch somebody because it's alive. It's alive. And you've got to put that in there. All right. Well, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you 
for the time you've given us to reflect upon this very powerful, powerful song that speaks of the good news. And Lord, as we sing it together now, I pray that uh, it would uh, just minister to us in a way it hasn't in the past. In Christ's name, amen.